welcome to this edition of the discussion program with me, Munira Shayeb. Time and time again, the question is being asked, would the world be a better place with women in charge? The United Nations theme for this year's International Women's Day is gender equality today for a sustainable tomorrow. And with the current war in the Ukraine, a looming economic crisis, climate change, and the COVID-19 pandemic, that women and girls globally seem to experience their greatest impact, the question is more pertinent than ever. Yet women representation in top leadership roles, even in developed countries, is still low, despite the fact that research shows that women in leadership roles are every bit as effective as their male counterparts. In Africa, Liberia made history in 2006 when Nobel Prize winner Ellen Johnson Sirleaf became the first female head of state in the continent. Rwanda now has the highest percentage of women in parliamentary positions in the world. Other African countries are following suit, but despite this success, the continent still needs to double representation rates to achieve gender equality. In this edition, we asked why, despite decades of feminism, gender disparity still persists. To discuss this, I'm joined by Eva Joyce Wynne, activist in feminist and social justice movements in her country, Zimbabwe, the African continent, and globally for over 30 years. And Suzanne Bessie, Tanzanian journalist and academic researcher in media and mass communications, political analysis, public diplomacy, as well as leadership and security affairs. Welcome both. If I may start with you, Eva Joyce, why do you think women are still not in top leadership roles? Thank you, Manira, and thanks colleagues for this opportunity. Um, I think the factors you can generalize, I think across the continent, and they will then tend to be nuanced, you know, when you, when you look a bit closer but I would say, generally speaking, you know, we are talking of a continent that is still very much steeped in patriarchy, patriarchy loosely defined being, you know, the, the rule of the father, basically the male head of household, the male leader, the male, uh, you know, hunter. Um, so that's, I think that's, that's the first factor. The second is you then have this patriarchy translate into actual laws, translate into actual policies, and then translating into practice on the ground. So in some countries, let us not forget that constitutions do not yet grant men and women the same legal rights. Um, if you look at some of the countries on laws, you will then see that sometimes women can't do certain things without a male person signing for them right, or giving them permission, so-called. Um, and then you will have, you know, the, 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 the political side, right? So you have the, the, the economic side, then you have the political side. So again, in terms of the rules of the game, let's put it that way, um, these often stand in, in women's way. For example, um, you know, when you have, uh, you know, political parties which say, you know, let the best candidate rise to the top. Um, but when you look at that, yes, it sounds all fair, it sounds equitable, but the truth of the matter is men and women are not starting from the same starting point. You know, I'm sure you've seen this cartoon where, you know, the man is already like five meters ahead, you know, in a pole position, as they would say in car racing, because 
um, you know, the, the law, the economic policies, you know, the society views them differently, they have less encumberments. Then you come to the social side, right? The more invisible uh, factors, in a sense. And I'm using the word invisible in the sense that, so this is not something that you can change through changing laws. This is not something that you can change through saying our policy says, you know, men and women are equal. This is more the hearts, minds, the values, the belief systems, the norms in many, many of our countries, I would say most, um, you know, where for centuries women have not been regarded as, as equal human beings, women's role largely seen as being very much in the domestic sphere, um, and, you know, leadership and being seen then as, as the purview of a person with education, who is well-traveled, uh, who speaks, you know, a colonial language like English or French, right? Um, and women didn't have these opportunities, of course, because again of the social, the economic, the political factors, you know, that 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 existed before. So it's a combination of these factors, um, and I would say the values, the norms, um, you know, is is probably are probably the, the the bedrock, if you like, on which then the others get built. So if people don't believe that women are equal citizens, um, if a society believes that men's women's places is in the home and, and doing the care work and they shouldn't be seen in the public arena, then you will have um, you know laws to that effect, then you will have an economic system that is that is the same. So I would say those would be my top reasons. Suzanne, if I may come to you, uh, your country, Tanzania, is one of very few African countries with a, with a woman at the, at the top job as a president, head of state. How has she been faring and how is the Tanzanian population responding to her leadership? How has it responded since uh, she, she took over? Thank you. Thank you very much, Munira. And, um, Yes, I, I have to say that uh, in, in the 21st century, uh, we have a female head of state uh, in Tanzania, um, who is actually also a very um, iconic, I have to say, uh, model, not just in Tanzania, but also in Africa. And it's sad that uh, we have to count uh, female heads of states uh, in, the, in, 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 um, in just one hand. I mean, it's, it's, it's quite, um, bizarre that in the 21st century, after more than 70 uh, UN General Assemblies, for instance, we have only six female heads of states that have been able to, to address the UN, uh, UN General Assembly, her being uh, the sixth. So just to give you an example of uh, what kind of a, of, of, a, of a system we still have, as Eva Joy said, uh, structures that have been built that are quite patriarchal and quite deeply ingrained, that now we see it as something quite um, unique to have a female head of state. That being said, um, uh, President Samia Suluhu has, uh, has been in, in office for a year now. And uh, we can start, for instance, to evaluate uh, her effectiveness in, in the chair. But we have to remember that she has started um, at a point where uh, she had not expected to be a head of state as such. It was circumstances uh, that had led to be to her being uh, a head of state or uh, being in power as a head of state. Uh, she was the vice president, and as it is um, in uh, in elections, we have 
uh, a head of state and a running mate. So the running mate is sometimes usually overlooked as an important uh, part of the election process and is usually being seen as you know, the option that fills in the qualities of the head of state. But now she was chosen as a, you know, a female leader um, as a running mate uh, to the late um, uh, John Magufuli. And now she's, um, she's in, a, in, a, in, a, in a position where uh, she is a head of state for the next four years until the next election. Now, how had she prepared herself to being a head of state? And how has she fared so far in this year? Uh, I have to say that the structures that are in place can be of support to her and can also be a challenge to her. We are already in, um, in, a, in a country that, um, first of all, still has that patriarchal um, uh, belief that a, a head of state is of a certain quality. And most of these qualities are, are, are seen as you know, a male, a person who carries this. It's, a, it's, it's an older person uh, who has been uh, a, a, a political leader for a certain period of time that exhibits certain qualities. And now here you have a woman who is uh, from, if I may put it, a minority kind of group. She comes from Zanzibar um, and she, she comes from um, a, 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 a small part of the country, if I may put it. And she now has to lead people from uh, 120 different types of tribes with their traditions, with their cultures. Um, and not only that, she also has to, um, to, to lead a system that has supported male leaders for a long time. Has she been effective so far? We look at what she has done in terms of, um, of education and how now we have uh, girls and even boys who had been um, put aside by a previous system because of either uh, teen pregnancies or because of um, you know, not showing up in schools, not knowing their social background, being put aside by the system, and now they have been included in the new system. So we have to say that looking at it now, there is a, a better chance for girls or more girls to, to attain education. Um, looking at, uh, at issues um, such as uh, gender, um, uh, gender issues, she has been able uh, to, to give a, a, a more focus on, on, on gender issues by dividing um, a ministry, for instance, that was looking at health and gender issues at the same time. But now health issues have their own uh, ministry and gender, uh, as well as social uh, welfare and people with special needs have a dedicated ministry that will look after them. So she's also looking at the structures, at this, um, uh, uh, trying to ensure that um, even the changes that come are at a structural level. But then we have to remember that she's also a political leader. So she's, she's also contending with, with political forces within her party, political uh, forces um, in terms of the opposition uh, parties, She's contending with uh, systems that have embraced mostly a patriarchy system. And the, all these, we have to remember that are working with her or against her. And we have to evaluate them in the, in the analysis of seeing her effectiveness. So the next four years are going to be quite um, eye-opening to see will she have been able to change the structures that she's trying uh, to ensure uh, that there is you know, a, a continuity uh, mm -hmm. of um, her, her leadership or her legacy 
uh, at the moment. Uh, Eva Joyce, picking up uh, uh, on that point about only a woman knows about women's issues. I mean, gender issues. <laughs> okay, you're, you're already shaking your head, so you're doubting. I mean, I've, I personally find it strange or a bit ironic that the UN, the same UN that is urging for gender equality um, in, in the world and in Africa specifically, appoints a man as the women regional director for Eastern and Southern Africa uh, regional office. I mean, is it is it more about hierarchy? Is it more about power than, than, than really understanding the job, the nature of the job in this case? So thanks, that, that's, that's really a, a very critical question. So I think two things. So one is, I, I am a firm believer and, and, and many feminists believe, right? Mm -hmm. That um, our right as women to participate in leadership positions, uh, whether they are informal uh, positions like a head of state um, or a director of a civil society organization, or a councillor in a municipality, it is a matter of justice and of rights. So mm -hmm. as women, we are entitled, right? So it's not about doing us favors, it's not about special measures, it, it is our right to run for those things, to apply for them and to be considered. Uh, secondly, I want to say, let's, let's also avoid essentializing women, right? By which I mean uh, this idea that only a woman, you know, understands other women's needs. I think, and we have seen many examples, you know, the migrant Thatchers of this world, right? They are enough amongst us, even on mm -hmm. the continent. So mm -hmm. it is not just any woman. It has to be a woman who holds certain values and espouses them, particularly values around equality, equity, justice, human rights, right? Mm -hmm. And no discrimination. It has to be a woman with a vision that is compelling. So not just a vision about herself or getting other, you know, few other women into certain opportunities. It has to be a social justice transformative vision, right? Which talks to where women are at, what are the struggles that they have and be coming up with a vision and, and a program in whatever level she's, she's a leader that would, you know, appeal to and also be about solving real life problems, you know, that women have. So, mm -hmm. and, and what is that woman called? She's called a feminist, right? <laughs> and I want to be clear for me. Mm -hmm. So we need more women, we need, you know, we need, we need more uh, feminists. Um, but coming to the question that you asked about, you know, why uh, institutions like the UN, you know, putting into positions more men than women as we are seeing in, in our region. I think there's, been a misunderstanding uh, and deliberately so right and a misuse of the whole concept of gender sorry on whose part by many of us civil society governments including the un so let me let me expound on my point so you know you will often find people say gender is about men and women full stop but that's not the end of the sentence Gender equality is about men and women and the unequal power relations between them. That's the end of the sentence, mm -hmm. right? So gender equality isn't about equal numbers of men and women sitting in the room because we know that socio-culturally, politically, 
even if there are 200 women and there's two men in the room, their voices will be louder, they will get more airtime, et cetera, et cetera. We've seen this, we know this, right? Mm -hmm. And so it, this shorthand of, of gender is about men and women and we must work together, uh, he for she, tends to overlook the deeply rooted structural problems that we must get over, right? So yes, that man might be qualified and I'm taking nothing away from these men. I am sure they are very highly qualified. I am sure they know the system of the UN backwards and forwards. But the point is this organization that feminists fought for to be created, UN Women, right? UN, UN Women was not created because you know, the, the bureaucrats in New York decided to be nice to us. It's because as women, we fought for this thing, right? Mm -hmm. For decades until it was finally established albeit with the least money in the system. So they are overlooking that fact. And they are also deliberately choosing to ignore that these are probably the only spaces that many of us as women will ever get to smell power in, in the UN system, right? So if you can't give us space in the only institution that has the word women in it, where else are we supposed to go and compete, right? And, and I think that's the that for me is the is, is the is the critical question. Yes, men and women must work together. It is not just the purview of women, but if we overlook unequal power relations, if we overlook the the, the, the social economic you know impediments for women to 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 compete at the same level as men for these positions, um, then then we are not solving the problem. So we need what are called special measures. We need that affirmative action and affirmative action is not just about promoting any woman it's about promoting giving space to very capable women but who are not getting the same opportunities because we know that that's how societies and institutions are structured um suzanne if i may come to you do you have something to say about that i hear mm -hmm. um, across africa uh, the men saying that i will not be ruled by a woman I, you know, they are very close to their moms. They are very okay with their wives, their sisters. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to a woman running their countries, you know, no matter how educated they are, they still say no to that. Again, um, I mean, Eva Joyce has put it really well, um, that it's still not about just the numbers. It's also not just about, you know, having uh, you know, a woman there, and then you say, okay, now uh, women are empowered. It's about, you know, coming back again to the mindsets, to the structures, growing up. What have we been exposed to? How have we been exposed to it? What have we been told over and over again? How do we live our lives in and outside, in our homes? All that will also create how we think about, you know, power, how we access power, how we use power. And it, it, it's not just about, you know, you, you, you even we, we, we keep thinking that uh, because you have a woman there, then she is automatically going to be thinking about, you know, supporting women, about the, be the best way for a society. But what has she been exposed to? What does she know? What tools are in her hands? What type of person is she? What are the structures that are there for her? And, and this comes again, as, as she says, you, you may have a woman there, but she is more patriarchal, if I may put it that way, even an, 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 an anti-feminist, as opposed to even when sometimes you put a man, we talk about the structures that are in place to support a system that can be more long-term. 
And that mm-hmm. starts also with, with the mindset. So when you have men who say that I cannot be ruled as, by a woman, we also have to remember there are women who also say I cannot be ruled by a woman. And why do they say that? I think this is the root of the issue. Why do they believe that? Why do they believe that they cannot be um, led by a woman, that they cannot have leaders who are women? It's, it's because of maybe a concept that they've had for a long time. It's because of what they've been exposed to. And we have to deal with this mindset from a very early age by looking at our education systems, by looking at how people live in families and how families exposed to power relations um, within these families or communities. And, and, and that has to start from when, when they are young. At the moment, again, um, again, we, we have to keep challenging these power structures, these cons- concepts, by having a, a gender um, a, a gender equal, a, a, a gender blind, some, uh, uh, if I may put it that way, where we don't have to think about, okay, this is a woman leading me, and therefore this is good or bad. Or uh, we, we have to think about what is she doing for, 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 for the society? What is he doing for the society? Is he putting all these issues um, that face men and women? Because even within the, the, the woman's spectrum, there are different needs. We have women who have um, uh, uh, different issues. Those who live in, in, in the, in the uh, rural areas, those who live in the cities, the young women, the older women, the rich, the poor, we have to think of this spectrum. The collectiveness of all this has to be uh, considered when we talk about uh, leadership. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Eva Joyce, you uh, you mentioned the the example of Margaret Thatcher and Suzanne. In a way, you agreed that uh, some women tend to be, you know, uh, more oppressive of other women. Is that because of you know decades of women, even though women represent half of the world population, probably more, and they uh, girls have proved to uh, do better at school, at uh, university than, than, than their male counterparts. This is statistics. This is, you know, this is proven. Even then, because of uh, that long fight towards, you know, achieving you know, something in, you know, getting some 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 political power somewhere, you know, that that they they feel that some of these women, you know, they feel they have to prove themselves to their male counterparts and therefore they become more intolerant or more oppressive, if you like, of other women so that they can they can shine, they can show that they are capable as capable as men in doing their job. Eva Jones. Again, thanks for that. Again, we come back to, you know, what is the context in which we are talking about these things and what's been, what's been the history, right? So I want to give the equivalent of colonialism, you know, the whole of Africa, except for Ethiopia was, was colonized, huh? some of us much more than others. So my generation, for example, and generations before, we grew up with the image of a decision maker, of a good speaker, of a person with power, nine times out of 10 being a white person, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for those of us who were born under colonial times, and I would say the, you know, the first sort of 20, 30 years of, of the end of colonial rule. So if that's how you have grown up, if those are the images that you have been fed, 
if that is the message that has been embedded in your psyche about who's a leader, who has power, and you know, who, who should be in certain spaces, it takes a lot of decolonization, mm -hmm. a lot of education, a lot of alternatives that you need to see uh, in order for you to then begin to say, you know what? It's, it's not just about the color of their skin. It, it, is, it is something else, right? That, that's making these white men and women be where they are. So it is the same thing with, you know, when women are coming into these positions, I would even go further and say when black women are coming into these positions, because let's not forget, in a lot of the colonial political systems, women were not regarded as citizens. They were not even counted in national censuses. In some countries like mine and most of Southern Africa, they didn't even need to carry identification documents. You know, one woman put it to me when I was doing an oral history project. She said a woman was like a donkey. You didn't have a name. You know, cows have names, at least if we had been cows. But donkeys don't have names. So, you know, as much as you had a name at home, but you did not exist in the National Registry, you didn't even need to, to have a national ID. So you're, you're seeing someone, you know, women who come out of that and are coming then into leadership positions and you're expecting both men and women, you know, to, to, to value them, to see what they're bringing, to, to, to listen. It's, 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 it's a mountain to climb. Mm. So I'm not excusing bad leadership on the part of women. I am not saying there are no women, you know, with definitely, you know, uh, bad negative values like your Margaret Thatcher's, right? Um, I am not saying there are no women who, you know, really couldn't care less about the next person, right? Um, mm -hmm. But generally speaking, this is what we have grown up with. So a, a leader has to have certain characteristics. So what are those characteristics? She must be very loud, right? Um, because men are loud. Um, she must uh, speak a lot in every meeting in order to be felt to be present. You know, she must be decisive, right? You must be aggressive. Um, you know, you must go in there and fight and you're on, 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 on their terms. Now, these are things that some of us don't want, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'll give you a most recent example. The other day I was watching Joe Biden uh, of the United States. And it really struck me, you know, I, it had never struck me before. He kept on saying, my plan, my budget, I have decided, mm -hmm. I am allocating more money to Ukraine, and I am going to send more this and that. It, as, as a woman, right, as a leader, I don't use the word I a lot, right? particularly when you're talking of decision-making in an institutional sense, in a collective sense, you know, where you are really a leader. You are not, you know, something yourself. Yeah. You are not, you know, you're not the Messiah, right? Yeah. So I would be saying, you know, we have decided, we met with the senior management team, we as the board, right? Mm -hmm. um, we as, you know, the, the, the American uh, you know, Congress has decided, or, you know, whoever he wants to call. But the, the persistence of, you know, with which he used the I word, I, I, I found it quite telling.
right? Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. these are the things that people are expecting from women. And so when women come in and they don't display these things and they are trying to come up with alternative ways, more collective ways, uh, more supportive ways, you know, to, to the people that they are leading, then we are seen as weak, ineffective, you know, too touchy-feely, you know, use any other word that, that, that you, you, you know, you want to use. And, and soon enough, then word goes out, oh, these women, you know, they really don't know what they're doing. Um, they are not as effective. So the measures by which we are judging leadership mm -hmm. and good leadership is what we... Um, Suzanne, uh, while there is no shortage of intelligent, ambitious, and capable African women as potential leaders, as we have seen, there are multiple obstacles that hinder women's leadership aspirations and a candidacy. Um, and these are probably unwritten or if you like informal rules, um, uh, you know, like religion, like culture, like social structures. You talked about you and Eva Joyce, we talked earlier, you talked earlier about the need to um, amend constitutions to for more uh, women's involvement, you know, in 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 uh, leadership roles, um, and these beliefs or structural biases or stereotypes against women, uh, are they still the main obstacle towards towards achieving that? Okay, I would say that um, as we, I will I will go a little bit back again, um, as however Joyce mentioned, the historical uh, background of our of our continent. And, and how, how, how we have evolved until where we are today. And these have defined the structures that we have in place from the pre-colonial, colonial, post-colonial post um, age. In the, in the sense that um, if we look at our laws, our policies, our constitutions, they still have the same kind of um, uh, elements uh, that they had during the colonial time. So some of them have been borrowed. Some of the laws that we have, the legal systems that we have, have been borrowed from um, the, 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 the previous uh, colonial governments. And these have been brought forward and are still being used to date. And if we look at them, they, had already, they were already uh, segregative in a way, not just in terms of, of gender, but also in, in, in terms of, um, of, of uh, who gets to rule, uh, from what kind of uh, what, what kind of a person uh, is defined in in these in these structures, and I'll give you an example. Um, so, for instance, we have um, the the penal code, for instance, in in our, in our country, and it was only recently that um, they had defined, for instance, uh, a gay person being a man. They had forgotten the woman completely from the law, and was added. I mean, in retrospect, that was a good thing, and it was only they only came to add the woman in terms of, 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 of gay uh, or uh, LGBTQ later onward, just to show you that even from the very, very beginning where women were, um, um, they were obscured, they were removed from, they were not recognized in, in different parts of the law. Coming back to the, the structures that we have in place, um, some of them that are trying to, as we call it, empower women, were also uh, defined also by, by men to a large extent. Women um, came into the picture much, much later. So an example of, for instance, uh, the political process of having female members of parliament, what we call the special system or the special seats or the quota system. Um, 
is also, I mean, you, you have women, um, uh, I mean, like, for instance, our constitution defines that 30%, at least 30% of, of, uh, of, uh, of seats in parliament should be uh, uh, occupied by women. But how are these uh, women uh, uh, selected, choice, chosen, or appointed? It's a system that kind of also uh, is being used to rubber stamp, sh shining women away from uh, uh, the, the field where they have to compete for the seats at, um, at, at a constituency level. So in a way that you have less female um, uh, members of parliament at constituency level because they're being told, well, you have your own seat, you don't have to come to the constituency side. So it's like being shown as a favor, as a rubber stamp that um, you have a system that recognizes women to only exist in a certain space in the political spectrum. Now, when it comes to, um, to, to economic level, uh, now we have more and more women uh, who are uh, leading um, either it's, it's, it's institutions, associations, big companies, and so on. But they have had to fight a lot. They've had to fight a lot. And if you look at also how, where the, 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 the characteristics and, and the path that they had to follow, it had to start from the education level. Uh, and, and sometimes it, it was also the opportunities um, that with the education they had, they had to fight for. Some of them had to fight two times harder, 10 times harder to be able to be in this position. So we still have systems and structures that are still a constraint to women taking leadership, but also define the type of leadership that she or uh, that, that she can implement in the process. So until again, until these structures are recognized, until the judgments, again, as, as whatever Joy said, who defines this judgment? Who, who, who says that you have done well or not? Who says that you have been effective? What are the modalities that are being used to judge whether a woman has been effective or not? These also have to be uh, redefined. And they can only redefine when you have uh, equal power relations to be able to define or redefine this. Now Tanzania is trying um, or is in the process or um, we have people who uh, want to change the constitution. So the, the constitution process has, has come back on the table. But to define uh, who says what should be in the constitution, it's paramount that we have a level playing field where we have a big representation of people that can decide on the fate of their country by ensuring that there's inequality in the power relations in these discussions. And I have to say that in the past one year, we've seen more and more people joining in this discussion from different walks of life. And that is quite important. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, a final word from both of you. Um, women, um, I mean, historically, are the ones who run families. Um, therefore, they are capable of multitasking. They are capable of showing resilience taking initiative, showing thoughtfulness and compassion. And, you know, um, therefore, you know, the, the, the future has to be equal. And political change is nothing if there is no social change in the way women are perceived. What do you say to that? Eva Joyce first. Thank you. Um, women's participation in leadership women's right to be in leadership is a matter of justice and rights. Um, so 
all over the world, but particularly in our continent, we need to see massive change where we have women in these positions from the top to the bottom. Even what we call the bottom, we need to see a recognition because sometimes, again, it's not just about the position that you hold. It's about the role that you are playing. It's about the vision that you're bringing. It's about the organizing skills, as you rightly said, from the household level to the community level. So for example, when you're talking about women in humanitarian uh, emergencies and disasters, who are the ones that are normally the first ones on the scene? Who are the ones that normally have to start mobilizing the family and then the community in order to respond? It is normally women. So even that kind of leadership, that role that women are playing needs to be recognized and more importantly, needs to be valued. Um, I am also saying there is need for a wider conversation about the different levels that I'm talking about. So yes, indeed, let us continue to invest in you know, women as presidents, as prime ministers, because of course, those are very important levers of power. However, we must not forget the other layers, right? The cabinets, the justice system, women as judges, right? We've seen when there is um, a political contestation, unfair elections, the first place people run to is the courts. So we need to see women, magistrates, prosecutors, judges, right? Um, of Supreme Courts in, in every country. And as I said earlier, we want to see more women in the in the bureaucracy, right, of the United Nations, of, of governments, right, because those are the people who do the day-to-day -day work. And many of the times they are the ones who draft laws, policies, that those at the top merely become the spokespeople and, 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 and the writers of. So it, it is a wide ranging um, conversation that, that we need to continue to have, because of course we've been, we've been having this conversation since Beijing. Um, however, you know, it, it hasn't covered as, as, as many bases, I think, as, 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 as it needs to. Mm -hmm. Suzanne? I, I concur completely with Eva Joyce, and I would just like to add uh, one aspect to this, and that in order to, in moving forward, we, we have to emphasize that when we talk about women's rights, when we talk about gender equality, it's not supposed to be a competition of the sexes men competing against women. No, it's supposed to be complementary, that we have to recognize each other's needs. We have to recognize each other's values. We have to recognize that only by being able to have an inclusive society can we move forward. And in that respect, we have to recognize also the efforts of both men and women who understand this vision. And it starts at a very young age. I always go back to, you know, what happens at home, what happens in our education systems. And this has to start by living it. It has to, it has to be a mindset that is cultivated. It's not going to be uh, that we wake up one day and it, we have transformed. No, it is a gradual process, but it is a process that we need to go through. And that being said, leadership and, and, and recognizing women leadership is also to recognize that we have uh, um, a group of people that has been so far left behind, that has been suppressed and repressed for a very long time, but that needs to be there. Because if we have half of the world 
being um, denied the rights, the opportunities, um, and, and also the justice, as Eva Joyce very well put it, uh, the, the, the justice and their rights to lead and to be led by people who are competent, who have a vision for an inclusive society, then we do not have uh, a just society. We don't have a progressive society. Issues of climate change, you know, issues of, of, of you know, health issues, all this, if they were if, if they were all looked at at a point where everyone's voice, everyone's concerns are being put on the table and considered equally, most of this would not uh, have come to the point that we have. Progression has to look at everyone in their society, their needs and their contributions on the table, recognizing everyone's values and efforts. Susanna Bessi, Tanzanian journalist and academic researcher in media and mass communications political analysis, public diplomacy, as well as leadership and security affairs, and Eva Joyce Wynn, activist in feminist and social justice movements in Zimbabwe, the African continent, and globally for over 30 years. Thank you for listening to the discussion program on the ALC Pan-African Radio. For this and other programs, please visit our website at alcafricanradio.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Radio ALC and on Facebook at ALC Radio numeral number one. For feedback on this and other programs, please send an email to info at africanradio.com. <laughs>